Greetings, this is Ginger Donnell. Thank you for joining me again on Broken Boxes Podcast. This episode is pretty special to me. It's a impromptu kind of like decompression with my life partner, Chinupahanska Luger, about the last year or two. Pandemic, traveling, art, family, experience, and we just kind of like go off and like go through the paradox so to speak of like what it means to like be accountable to our relationship our work our family and like kind of reformat a path forward and before i share this recording um i just wanted to like introduce myself and also read chinupa's bio so that if you don't know this project or you're just signing on you can like have a little bit of context of who we are because the um, this episode is quite casual and we just kind of like dip you into our life and work. So um, my name is Ginger Donnell and my primary passion for affecting change has been through communication strategy and decentering privilege in the arts. And I am a bridge builder and identify as an accomplice. Um, I thrive when I'm able to support real shifts in institutional and social policy through deep understanding of our need for accountability. And I want to inspire human connection and promote healing through intersectionality and activation of restorative justice practices by amplifying community voices who often don't have the privilege or access. Over the past decade, I've organized and supported numerous exhibitions, social engagement projects, and cultural programs around the world, engaging in consultation to teams and building content to carve out brave spaces for communication strategies that center and support queer, trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming communities, indigenous communities, brown and black communities, and women and femme identifying communities. I am excited to continue to support centering the narratives and voices of our communities that may not always be given space, but have critical work to share with the world. And Chinupahanska Luger is my partner for almost 15 years and um, is a multidisciplinary artist who uses social collaboration in response to timely and site-specific issues. Through monumental installations that incorporate ceramics, video, sound, fiber, steel, technology, and repurposed materials, Chinupa interweaves political action and performance to communicate stories about 21st century indigeneity. Chinupa was raised on the Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota, and he is an enrolled member of the three affiliated tribes of Fort Berthold, and is Mandan, Heratsa, Rikara, Lakota, and European descent. Chinupa combines critical cultural analysis with dedication and respect for the diverse materials, environments, and communities he engages, and provokes diverse audiences to engage with indigenous peoples and values apart from the lens of colonial social structuring, often presenting a call to action to protect land and water from capitalist exploits. At the end of our conversation, you'll hear a track that we made, uh, I think 2010, Glad as Knives, Tears of Fire. It will have a little bit of Chinupa's poetry and him rapping and me singing in my poetry. So I hope you tune into the end for that special treat of a throwback. So yeah, without further ado, here is a heart to heart between Chinupa and I. Hope you enjoy. Hi. 
<laughs> in the boardroom. <laughs> I'm bored in the house, and I'm in the house board. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bribed Eo and Seisha that if they could stay quiet while we did this, um, that I would clean their room <laughs> for them. <laughs> How could you? Um. So you couldn't figure out. I can hear you. Yeah, I have my microphone, so I'll sound really good, and you'll sound okay. mediocre. <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> Everybody wants excellence. <laughs> I stand here with mediocrity. <laughs> Everybody says hello. Aww. They all wished you were here. Aww. And they just had me. Does that make you feel bad? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> no, I was like, dude, I, I, I would have swapped. <laughs> just traded hats. <laughs> um, I guess I just wanted to do this because, first of all, I didn't have any content. <laughs> and second of all, I thought that... I don't know. I just thought that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How long has it been that we've been um, weird in the world? <laughs> the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> oh, I was looking at um, pictures like from a long time ago, and there was like this picture of me and you performing somewhere uh, in Santa Fe and it must have been like 2008 maybe and we're wearing like these sack bags <laughs> that you made that basically have like saggy crotch and they're all one piece of fabric and then they pull up over our heads so our little faces are just poking out and you made us masks out of funky foam and we like were wrapping and performing in them <laughs> yeah wrapped wrapped and also rapping. <laughs> and I was like, after just this whole past year of like going all around the country and making art in support of you and also doing my own stuff and then ending it with your show in New York that has like these freaking badass regalia that you and I wore. I was like, I saw that picture and I was like, oh. You've been prototyping that shit <laughs> since you the were day. like you were like, oh, we haven't actually come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're still doing that same old weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been a long line of, of of prototypes, and you've been my my um biggest supporter and um ableist of bodies to uh indulge me in my obsession with not fashion <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I know and I just remember like that band and we were in creature routine with Micah but then we had our own band after he moved away back to Oklahoma glad as knives and I remember like you're an incredible poet like I want to give you props there but like not the you don't have like great melody 
No, I, was, I'm, I, I am literally the worst. Um, or I, from my perspective, the greatest of all time. You know, <laughs> it depends on where you're listening it from. Um, outside of my own head, uh, it's a little hard. I, I find cadences that don't exist in any of the beats that you produced. Um, and the remarkable thing I must say is that that syncopated rhythm that you've created in no way ever changed the way I would deliver <laughs> my, my rhymes, you know, you'd think that just the repetition alone, the beat would influence how I perform and somehow it did not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm pretty sure I was like, man, this person is so cute. I'm just going to like, let it ride. (laughs) Cute's gotten me a long way. He makes some good (laughs) costumes. So I can forgive the shortcomings. Who who let the costume designer rap? That's the question. (laughs) Who gave him a mic? (laughs) (laughs) Always. I know. And then, like, I don't know, I'm just, I just was, like, laughing so hard thinking about how literally, like, the joke within our family, within me and you is, like, one step closer to almost being done and never stop is your mantra, too. And I'm like, oh, my God, babe, it really is. (laughs) I know. I know. And both of those are true. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> by never stopping we are always one step closer to almost being done <laughs> whatever whatever that means <laughs> I well, know. I, it's it's pretty much the same thing right like one step closer to almost being done is the longer way to say never stop like we you have to continue like it feels like that you're you're closing in on closure to something um but the almost being done hanging at the end of that one step closer um is i think it's i think it's the same the same conversation you know mm. we are we are not traveling to a place we are not traveling there's no destination necessarily it's the it's the movement it's the steps you know yes I know I feel that and it's exhausting too like I think that during the pandemic when it first hit we had like a year basically at home and you'd been on the road for like 80 percent of the previous two years like it was we were exhausted as a family trying to like navigate keeping up with the pace to which your career was demanding. And yeah, so we like the one blessing, of course, the pandemic is a tragedy, but you got to come home and be with us. And we got to like, really like heal and like regenerate as a family. And then all of a sudden, like shit started picking up and like inviting us out into the world again. And we committed to kind of going at it as a family because we do roll together deep and do collaborate and work together on so many things. And that was crazy this past year. (laughs) I know. I know. I was just kind of cataloging the things that we accomplished in the middle of a pandemic. And once again, it's 
it's mind boggling how much we can, we can do together, you know? Um, it's mind boggling. Like I was going through it. I kept leaving things out and was like, Oh, and Oh wait. And you know, um, and yeah, I think, I think that, uh, that re kind of calibration of, of our, our center of locale, right? Like the demand of the industry that I work in, the one that you help, um, kind of like bolster and support. I mean, for as much as I was traveling, you were there booking those, those trips, you know, and making Mm -hmm. sure that we could do it. And it was like, yeah, it was, it was hard. And I think, uh, you know, and I, I had mentioned this to some of my other friends too. Um, and now I'm just mentioning it to your, your audience is that from my perspective, I felt like I was doing a good job. I felt like I was doing what was supposed to and had to be done, you know, where it was, um, it was exhausting and it was extractive on my, my spirit, you know, but I would always think, you know, in my head that like, Oh, I'm providing this home, you know, I'm going out, I'm going out there and doing my, my duty, um, from like a model of like my parents or my grandparents kind of, kind of model of like the male breadwinner, you know? And I'm like, Oh yeah, man, he's going out doing the job and providing all of this sort of stuff. Um, providing a home, you know, providing a life that maybe I didn't experience as a child and wanted to provide for, for my kids. And, 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 and you, ju- I, you know, I would just keep telling myself this as I was moving further and further away from the space that I was trying so hard to provide for, you know, and um, who knows, like what the long term effect of that would have been. And, you know, for all of the hardship and loss of life that the pandemic created, it also um, forced us all to consider what is important? What is our center? You know, what is our center of locale? And, um, and I realized, you know, that I provided everything for my family, but a family, you know, um, that I, that in the effort to do all of that and the justification of all of that time, um, I was removing the one component that I was missing from my own childhood, you know, so it's, you don't see it until you have to stop. And then as soon as you stop, you're like, holy smokes, what have I been doing? Like, what have you, what have you demanded of me? And, and then you begin to talk to your peers and stuff. And you're like, man, we were all, all of us had to move at a pace that was not sustainable in, in any way, shape or form and uh, sacrificed a lot just to maintain some idea of what a, uh, uh, life could be like, you know? Um, and it was like, not even my life. It was somebody else's life that I had to, you know, it was an imagined life, you know? Um, yeah. So this year, you know, as, as we, as we moved into like a vaccine being developed and, many desperate attempts of institutions wanting to open their doors and all of these projects that got postponed, they all open almost simultaneously, like back to back. And so, um, 
we decided in order to do that, we'd break it out, right? And, and figure out what region we could travel to as a family and accomplish like many. And region is pretty big. We put some miles in. We uh, drove all over the country. Um, I know. From March until, I mean, you're still in Atlanta. I'm Zooming you because <laughs> I came <laughs> home from New York <laughs> and le- we yeah. left you at the airport and you flew on to Atlanta to open that show with Marie Watt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Literally just finished doing that. Had our regards maybe like two hours ago. I'm literally talking to you all and Ginger from inside a boardroom um, with like ancient reproductions <laughs> of Syrian architecture, like glued to the walls of this building is so weird. Um, but yeah, you and I who live together, have a home, have children, have family, mm-hmm. husband and wife are zooming each other in order to do this interview. (laughs) (laughs) And it'll probably be better recording quality than if you were home because of the kids and everything. But yeah, I mean, I think that like the hardship that was uncovered of you being gone so much, bringing home the bacon, so to speak, even though it was very much like a team effort, I used my production and managerial skills and just put it into my family basically and supporting you Mm -hmm. but like I don't know I just feel like when we decided to like only take on things respectively that was actually like something we could all do together it almost felt like the intention was stronger and there was like a different set of hurdles like (laughs) traveling with two kids and sometimes two dogs (laughs) I know or, or that combination with two adults. <laughs> and having to <laughs> go to openies, make work, like uh, for me, like doing meetings and Zoom interviews and calls and all like, like compressing it into like all happening at once versus us having that breath where you go out in the world and I stay home and do the work. And I don't know, I've just been reflecting over it the past couple of days as I got back from New York and I'm like, It was hard, but like, I feel like when we're exhausted at the end of a day of traveling and doing our jobs as artists, we could like fall back on each other and like laugh it out and make a joke, (laughs) at least like have that camaraderie and friendship that that is what our relationship is built on, you know, like ginger. I'm not home yet. I'm still doing it. Like you <laughs> laughing about it is not yet funny to me. <laughs> I'm reflecting you're not. Yeah, yeah. I leave in a few hours. I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that point. Um, it's funny, though, because um, the audience may not know this. You absolutely know this. I hate staying in a hotel with all of us, you know, like the con- con- the constriction of space having the whole family in like a hotel room is a little bit maddening for me. And um, I have a whole hotel room to myself right now. And uh, I totally missed you guys. I'm like, where's, where's my boys watching like some crazy cartoon. I like come in and you know, the room is extra empty because uh, we had just been on the road. And every time I would come back into the hotel room, there would be like, (laughs) <laughs> a grumpy eo uh uh like cuckoo seisha and a um 
<laughs> exhausted ginger. <laughs> I know. I know. I would always be like, <laughs> when Chinupa walks in the door, uh, you know, after some crazy talk or installation, like, don't lose my shit on him. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I just feel like, yeah, I just couldn't I couldn't hold it together at some point and it's funny because yeah our nine-year-old son Iokohoku Lahuikoa Luger is the most brilliant smart compassionate empathetic person but also like the biggest like little bitch (laughs) like just (laughs) constantly was like I hate traveling I hate New York I hate this gourmet meal I hate this I'm like what the (laughs) fuck dude I just want to be home on my mountain in my underwear running around in the forest (laughs) yeah yeah I I you know it's interesting we talk about how we traveled through all of that I I'm I'm excited to come home and really kind of decompress and see how the boys responded to that to that adventure we just got back from um we also had to travel a lot, like from the previous trips that we had gone and done, there were kind of more long-term um, stays in places, you know, and we really kind of facilitated where we were going to go, how we're going to stay in these spots. Um, this trip to the East Coast was pretty breakneck, you know, and uh, um, jumping around from room to room and long drives in between. <laughs> But yeah, I know EO is so stubborn. It's so funny, though, because I like all of his complaints were things that I was saying to myself quietly. You know, I'm like, agreed. (laughs) Also agreed. Like, I also want to be home and in my underwear. You know, so I'm like, I'm like, as much as it's like as if my own internal dialogue is an external person, you know? I'm like, you think he's a little bitch? I'm six foot three. <laughs> it's funny because we went and had dinner at your mom's last night because she like really wanted to see us. And he was lamenting of how he hated the trip and this and that. And she got after him and she afterwards she was like, Oh my god, he's exactly like Chinupa. <laughs> She's like, the way he like tries to describe everything and make excuses for like why his opinion matters over anybody else in the narrative of his life experience (laughs) just like his dad (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so funny but yeah I mean I've been thinking a lot about all of our friends and peers in general and that's why I thought like just having this conversation candidly with you might be helpful for other people because as the world calls us all back like what are we doing to like set boundaries like be mindful of like not being taken advantage of by the art world and falling into like toxic patterns and like how how to make it work you know and do you have any takeaways so far (laughs) like I know you're still on the road in Atlanta but I just like I don't know you think of things so differently that's one thing about us that maybe is why it works even when it doesn't is that we always bring a curveball to each other in the way we think about things. Yeah, totally. Well, I keep feeling like, um, well, we definitely had to like recalibrate what was really important. I know as the pandemic first kind of kicked in, there were several projects that were kind of solo projects and all of those sorts of things just got so far back burnered. Like there's still things that need to be accomplished, you know? Um, but we tried to show up for where we had, um, um, 
community and other people other than than us, you know, involved in a project, but what involved everything, you know, the, a larger group. So we took care of those things that, that became prioritized. Um, and then uh, I think as we were kind of readjusting to this new schedule, I just, I, I, I'm not 100% certain that we... Um, I feel like we're, I'm still, we're still kind of playing catch up to, to how the, the, um, demand kind of like open back up simultaneously. For me, I, I feel like this trip that I'm about to come home from was kind of like the last wave of previous, whatever you call it, like obligations, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like as soon as we get done with this, I can be like, okay, now. Let's yeah. see how we how we engage a little bit more, you know, but even in the in the wake of that, we did we made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to go out and travel alone, you know, that we were going to go together. And really, my thought around that, too, from my perspective, was the world could be and is on fire. Um, and when we're talking about like safety and and uh, shelter it's not a place for us, you know, it's people and my family is my shelter and my safety, you know? And I was like, you know, we could be, there could be an alien invasion. And as long as we're all together, then we could focus and adjust and um, adapt to whatever variables are kind of thrown our way. And I think that that's been my perspective. Like we've, I think we still had to do more than I would like to do as we move forward from this point um, and try to do fewer things with um, greater integrity and more resolve and um, more kind of like focused effort, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like choosing, choosing the things that are really important, you know, what's really important at this point. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, in the wake and in the presence of a global pandemic, you guys are like the most important, you know? Um, and so yeah. having you, having everyone together was a, made a big deal. And what's also cool about the way, even though it was like a bunch of stuff backed up that had to unfold, um, and as new opportunities came to us when we were recalibrating how we were going to do art in life we started asking like well we need a accommodation for a family we need flights for a family or else we're going to drive and we're going to get a car large enough for a family and I think before it felt like this taboo where we almost bought into like the monolith or like the individual has to go out and once we started asking for like resource for an entire family to travel I was surprised at how like open institutions and spaces were to accommodating that, you know, not every place, but like, I was, I was kind of surprised how easy it was for people to buy into like us all being involved, you know, and supporting us. Well, and I think that's, I mean, you know, if there's any pointers, it's yeah. What do you really want you know, when you're going to go and do these sorts of things as and, a deterrent. And need, right? Yeah. And and ask for it. 
you know, there's an assumption of, of another model. But if you ask, I mean, guess what? We didn't do the ones that we couldn't, you know? Um, So that's, that becomes the, like the thing, you know, Um, as far as recalibration, it's like, oh no, you can only afford to just fly me out and do it. Well, then it's not worth it to me, you know? So what is, what is value, you know, in that? And, um, you know, it's only a little bit of money for an institution to make that sort of change, but it's invaluable for me as a, as a person and a, you know, member of a family to have that access, you know, and then you end up getting a whole person, not a fraction of a person, you know? Um, so yeah, everyone, and everyone benefits. I think it's important, you know, to anybody who listens or who's, you know, facing some of these things, ask for what you need, you know? Um, and those that like really value you will provide what you need, you know? Uh, and if they don't, then that's a perfect example of how they value you as a human being. Yeah. And how they can do better. And just, yeah, I think even just saying like, well, this is what, this is what we need in order to be able to support your institution to move forward with like celebrating having an indigenous artist in your space. Like this is the way, this is the way we roll (laughs) like together. (laughs) (laughs) You're dealing with a nomadic culture. We're happy to go. (laughs) I know. And I do think even though EO was complaining, Seisha had an okay time, but I do think like this will be, um, this will be memories forever, you know, like regardless, like he was already telling the tall tale of like how like that shelterless relative who was high, like, like accosted him because he said, fuck you to him. Like right. that was like a learning point of his life of like, respect your elders, you know, or they might yeah. bitch slap you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's carrying these stories and he was telling them to your mom in like this tall tale kind of way. She's like, he's an incredible like storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> Storytelling's important. Yeah. I mean, and even, yeah. Yeah. And as he retells that story, it'll be interesting to see how it shifts, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in his memory of it, because really even this whole experience, even though in the moment he was um, kind of grumpy about it. Yeah, I agree. He's going to he's going to recollect it in a way that's going to be kind of I think it's going to he'll remember it fondly, I'm sure, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And I think that I think that the the way that we rolled this year, because basically we spent a month in Montana at Archie Bray. And then we went all over the place, like Arizona. Um we yeah. were on the road for like three months. Yeah. Yeah. We went to North Dakota. Uh, we went to Archie Bray. Um and then we went to Arizona and installed a show at Arizona. And then we went to Denver and installed the show that I'm installing right now there. And then we went home for like 10 days. Mm-hmm. And then we went back to Montana, stayed there for two weeks, went to um, North Dakota, stayed there for almost a month, and then came home again. So we were literally on the road for like three months, um, half of that time traveling with 
our everybody. Like, I think the only thing we left was our cat and our house, you know, um, the dogs were in there. We were in there, you know, two cars, <laughs> two cars spent some of that time, like camping up in North Dakota, you know, like living in a tent or a couple of really cool tents, but it's intense, intense. <laughs> Yeah. But I just think about like, no matter how hard it can get, like I, if, if you have somebody to like, get really mad at, it's nice. And then to like, like feel better with, (laughs) you know, like you're not just internalizing the frustrations of travel. Yeah, that's true. You're welcome. And thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being such an (laughs) asshole sometimes. (laughs) So I can remind myself how awesome I am. But then when we were in New York, I just want to talk about a little bit about like the work that you made over that time when we were all traveling. Of course, I just want to say like for the record, I have so many of my own projects that don't include you, but I also like am very much involved in supporting what you do. And I think you're also involved in supporting what I do. Like you're on this podcast, for example, right now, but like the work you made was all of these severed monster parts these huge ceramic like arms and decapitated heads and and then you made these um wearable regalia that you and i ended up wearing being filmed wearing like forging swords out of sand (laughs) basically and then this culminated in like your solo in new york that was like kind of the end of this trip, even though you're still on the trip. Yeah. But for me, it felt like really healing just to like go through this whole year, trying it out, traveling together and have it culminate in a show, which was about like slaying monsters and like coming together to like, against all odds, kind of like survive, as you say, we survive you. And I just wanted to like name that kind of layer of, um, you know, I'm always putting meanings into things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did, we, we, the, that three month push, um, ended up producing an entire exhibition as well as, um, cultivate the myth for the project that we did in, um, at MPAC, um, in which, you, me, and our boys are all characters in another film project. So the it was like, not only should you bring us along on these sorts of trips, but if you do, you get to have something that's really special and genuine, you know? Um, we got to play out, we got to play out uh, a potential future for our people, for human beings, you know? And we got to do it as a family, you know, representing a family. So it's like, um, and, and then in that myth, we had another myth, a myth that this people, these people believe, share and tell the story of. Um, and we also got to play the characters of the mythical, you know, monster slayers. And then we got to exhibit that work. Yeah. So it was, it was a, a stacked and layered um effort in order to produce but i think that's something that we've always done too is is um we know how to 
I don't know, maybe it's m more so you. you. You're really good at coordinating uh, these sorts of uh, things so that we can feed as many um, hungry spaces as possible with, with um, I don't know, we're, we've gotten really good at like, uh, what do you call that? Like being economic with our time and effort as far as how much spread we can get out of, out of any of these kind of pushes and projects. But I think this trip was kind of like the culmination of, of several months of previous effort and coordination that all kind of culminated in this East Coast trip of ours. But yeah, and, you know, all of that was a part of that pandemic. But like I was saying earlier, I started thinking about all of the stuff that we did. We also did muscle, bone, and sinew. We put up, exhibited, and then took down the, um, the something to hold on to exhibition with 9,000 beads. Mm -hmm. um, we put together the Each Other exhibition, you know, with Marie Watt um, that's traveling that I just installed here in Atlanta, but we installed that first in Denver. Now I'm here installing it um, in Atlanta. And um, what else did we do? We did a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the I mean, that muscle, bone and sinew uh, uh, effort and that's also coming to Emory. Like it's such, yeah. it's so wild to think about how many things that we were actually able to accomplish through a like digital interface, you know, like a lot of that was zoom coordinated. Um, and, and it may, it may, it, it, the reason I'm bringing it all up is because we had to adapt to that variation and, even though we did slow down, you and I have a hard time, like with leisure, you know, um, <laughs> we, like, <laughs> uh, making shit work is my love language, you know? Um, and, and, and I think you and I both have like a background of just like labor, you know, we like to work. We like, mm -hmm. we actually enjoy the privilege to work. And so we still manage to produce a lot of work, even within that restriction and so now that's reinforcing like why do i have why did i have to go all over the place mm -hmm. you know if if i can do we did most of that by like um yeah together you know mm -hmm. and and as a family and i got i did get to spend like m way more time at home even though we were on the road um for grips in it it was still less than i had to do like the previous you know years yeah. And those times when you were on the road, a lot of times it was gigs that now the whole world is acclimated to Zoom. So like artist lectures and all of this that would take a week and you'd have to like fly across the country for like a 45 minute lecture and some crits and get paid like a grand or whatever, you know, and then have to come back. But that was like a week that you were like in the world. And then you just compile those like back to back to back because it was before you had your gallery representation. So basically we were just on the hustle. Like how yeah. do we make money like with your gift of gab and my organization skills, <laughs> you know, and, you know, um, social credibility of being um, being in the world and activated and giving a shit, you know. I didn't, you know, I, I don't have a master's, you know, so a lot of that effort of working with institutions and stuff like that was 
because we didn't have access to academia. We didn't have access, you know, or, or were indoctrined into that through academia, you know? So we had to do all of that hustle in order to get that level of, of access, you know, just Mm to um, figure out where to put the pry bar and apply leverage, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's, um, that was a lot of effort and, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't based on like sales. It was based on, I need to figure out, we, we needed to figure out where do you anchor a pylon for this bridge to connect, you know, Mm -hmm. where, where are the anchor points to connect, um, community and culture and, and, you know, academia holds this presence in our kind of global consciousness of validation, you know? So, you know, being a, being a boy from 48 North Dakota, you know, uh, and doing, doing talks at Yale and Cornell without a master's degree, you know, is it's hustle. It's hustle that got us here and couldn't have done that alone. Yeah. So it's interesting. And, and now that (laughs) that we're here and in that position, I'm, I'm like, yeah. yeah. How, can I I, think, how can I do less better? <laughs> well, I think that um, that all that like pressure that was put on artists to go out in the world now that we all had a taste of being home and everybody's acclimated to Zoom, we can flex that, you know, be like, actually, like, I'll do a Zoom for that amount of money. You know, I can mm-hmm. like walk down to the studio and like talk to you for an hour versus like the dramatic carbon footprint of like flying to you, like the exhaustion on my family, my person, my body, like zoom me. Like, and I think that flexing that now that everybody even knows what that means is just means that you can stay home a lot more and I can stay home a lot more. And we can just like kind of assert that there's other like really smarter ways to like engage in a, with a global audience but I don't know if it would be if we'd have that privilege if you didn't put in that legwork, if we didn't like exhaust ourselves to the point of like, like self-destruction, you know, like, like, how did we make it work? Well, we almost didn't, you know, mm-hmm. like it almost destroyed us because it was so exhaustive and not like generative at all. And that's what I really want to like also share is just like how you don't know what where the edge of the knife is or how sharp it is or whatever until you cut yourself <laughs> you know you know my metaphor what you're trying to say is whatever floats your goat <laughs> oh my God. you don't know how to float a goat until <laughs> it's true though i mean like i think that going through the darkest points bring light to what you actually feel is light and joy right (laughs) yeah 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 totally and you know and I think you know as as I you know have been out in the world and um you know as we have traveled around and talked to folks people are always like how do you guys do so much you know how do you do so much and I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that it nearly destroyed us, you know, like that level of, of kind of activity. It, 
the, and the other thing, it was like, it was kind of subtle. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, you, you don't know you're in crisis until we had to like stop and breathe and then actually acknowledge like, where, where are we? And mm -hmm. as we have traveled, who have we become, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard to see that uh, when you're in it, you know, mm -hmm. especially when you can like, justify things because of the economic like pressures that that we kind of take on without necessarily even in, in, uh, experiencing it you know it's like it's like you're focused on a, on a, some future space that you never are a part of rather than appreciating your present that you're right in the middle of you know mm. under that pace of of demand you know so, and plus being very I, stubborn. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I'm excited to come home, you know, um, at this point. I am, even though we did, uh, we did do just a long push and we're talking about, you know, taking care of yourself and, and acknowledging all of that sort of thing. I am tapped right mm -hmm. now. Like that trip, when, when we left New York and I came to Atlanta, I slept probably like, 60% of my time here, like literally, like I would, I would go and install in the morning. I'd be done by like between three and five, I'd get here at like nine o'clock. And as soon as I would get back to the hotel, I would fall asleep hmm. and then I would wake up and I'm like, Oh, I got to eat something. Um, and I would send a message to Marie and was like, Marie, uh, I need to eat some food because otherwise it's going to be morning you know, um, and I'll have slept all the way through the, the afternoon and evening. And so we'd go grab my tea and then I come back and I'd sleep again. And I am running on fumes right now, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think back home and back around you guys does, I I'm excited to be back home, sleeping in our own bed and like, mm -hmm. um, having a variety of clothes to change into, uh, <laughs> all I got here are hot picks, nothing too terribly comfortable, you know, <laughs> look like good. I look, look good. I look really good, but my neck is sweaty. I'm tired of wearing masks. Like I want to be uh, home, you know? Uh, I remember the last day in New York when we were like killing time before we were going to go to the airport and you had been being like, my body is jacked. Like my body is so jacked from travel because I, I don't know if people know this about you, but you are a very tall person and like most travel related experiences are not made for tall people. So <laughs> it like compresses your body and like jacks it up the moment you get on an airplane or like in a bus mm -hmm. or however. And you were like, Man, my body is jacked up and we were on our way to Coney Island to like have a little adventure on the boardwalk before we had to hop on the plane. And I was like, you know, what would help is a roller coaster ride. <laughs> <laughs> that ought to, that, you know, they're, they're made for tall people. It, the messed up thing is I'm not even that tall, you know, like it's just that the, I'm just above the average. And the world is made for the average, you know? So like mm -hmm. there, there are, there, most of us are not average. That's the thing that's like mind boggling about this, you know, is that most of the, there's so much variety in body and shape that they took like a numerical average and not like considered 
something else, you know? Um, but yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, I guess like just to wrap it up, like, what are you, what are, what, what can you offer to people? Like, what are you thinking now in your heart of like, how, how do we make it work? How can we make it work? How can others make it work? What, what signposts or like words of wisdom can you offer? Like, I was trying to think about what I would offer people. And it's like, um, I would just say like, don't do anything that your heart really isn't in because time is like the greatest like commodity, you know, like I feel like time is greater than money. Like just having time at home with yourself, with your family and your health is way more important than hustling to the point where you break yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think also there's something really important about, uh, grounding your place yourself in a place, you know, um, and that sense of that sense of place, you know, where, where you're at and what it means to belong to that environment and knowledge of, you know, the knowing of whether or not you do, you know, like where we had been in, in so many different environments, you know, um, I remember when we went to Montana, that felt like home to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like there was, uh, we were right on the Missouri river. Um, I grew up kind of in relationship to that. It's like a customary kind of, uh, uh, land place, you know, ge- geological place for, for my peeps. And it felt good. Like I felt like I was home when we were in Montana, even though I was like nine hours away from, from, you know, the, the homelands necessarily the river itself was like, I recognize you. And I, and I find myself as I travel, um, gravitating towards rivers, you know, and I know you have that same experience with the ocean, you know, like what, what is home? Where can you ground yourself in place and location? Even here at Emory, I would go and I would call it spring break because there's a spring right outside of the gallery, um, or outside <laughs> of the museum. And I would go down there, um, it's a non-smoking campus, so I would smoke cigarettes down there. Um, but <laughs> it was—it's also a, a, a creek, you know. It's a spring that runs through here, and and its existence is because of benign neglect, you know. Like it—it's too small and too marshy to like build on top of. It's—it's um, it's like too marshy to build on top of, but it's too small to like capitalize on or extract from you know so it's it's just kind of exists here right in the middle of campus um and flows through it and had been flowing for a lot longer than this campus existed you know Mm -hmm. so like i'm i'm i go down in there and it was like even though i'm in the middle of atlanta georgia in the middle of emory college you know i found the tiniest little river that I possibly could and spent a lot of time like just hanging out down there. And I would like have a sig, but I think even my smoking habit is literally just based on needing to be alone. Um, mm. And, and cause I find myself smoking more in when I'm uh, have to do public kind of, kind of things. And the only way my body and mind feels like, okay with leaving everybody is 
yeah, using a, a tobacco addiction as like an escape plan. So I'd have like a cigarette, but I'd sit down there for like, you know, 15 minutes beyond my smoke break, you know? So I started calling <laughs> it spring break. I'm like, I'm going to go have spring break. And I'm on a university campus. So I thought it was funny, like talking to, well, we were setting up the exhibition and stuff. But I, I mentioned all of that because it did recalibrate and center myself in place, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we, you know, as the world is demanding us to travel, if you have to travel, considering ways to get there, um, if you can slowly mm -hmm. and kind of experience, that was kind of the benefit of some of the drives that we did, even though I drive like a maniac and want to get to places <laughs> like. And won't let anybody as... else drive. <laughs> no, I prefer to drive. Um, uh, and thank you for allotting me that as well, because that does um, calm me, you know, mm -hmm. honestly, even though sometimes I get agitated. Um, <laughs> the pace at which we experience the world, you know, we can travel places and get places faster and return home even faster. But in the process of doing so, that keeps us away from like being centered longer. Mm -hmm. You know, the quicker mm -hmm. you do it, the further, the longer it is to be centered, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I've been thinking about that quite a bit. The sense of belonging. How do you, how do you? figure out how to kind of like find the flow of wherever you're at. Yeah. I also think one thing that was helpful for me, um, traveling with children and like trying to art and be present was finding routine, even within a new place, you know, like finding something like you were saying, like grounding yourself in place. Like we found like one little park in New York, like in the Chelsea district, we were there for like five days, you know? Um, and it's the city, even though it's like a nicer area of the city is overwhelming, you know? And for small kids, it can be that haven't grown up in that environment. It can be really intense. And for me too. And so like every day we would walk down there and just like cruise around the park and explore the nature that was growing there. And it was our routine, you know? And um, finding nature and then finding nature to come back to. And that makes me think of you in Atlanta. Cause like randomly you have been going to Atlanta for like the past five or six years doing projects. And so it's like, you know, your zones there, you know, your, your grounding, comfortable place, your routine. And yeah, it's weird though. I swear every time I come back, it's such a big place and the variety of neighborhoods and stuff here. It seems like every time I come back here, I'm in a different Atlanta. It's super strange. Like this time is very Emory focused. So we're staying in Decatur and, um, and you know, it hasn't, it's only a few days that I've been here. So, but, so it hasn't been that, um, I didn't get to go back to too many places like that other than the spring, you know, I was like, I know where that spring is because I had been to Emory before <laughs> and it's still there. It's still there. <laughs> That's awesome. Been there the whole time. <laughs> Probably long before Emory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, no cool. Doubt. Yeah. Um, well, I guess one other thing that I quickly have a question about is like, what is your advice as a man, a cis hetero male, like making art? to 
other ones on how to be accountable and be like a good relative. Is this too much? Your eyes got <laughs> wide. Well, I know it's like we're in such call out culture and everything, you know, and I know like a lot of times there's like tender art and conversations that are happening and you do a lot of collaborative work and you're like on a lot of panels and like um, accountability panels and stuff. And so um, dismantling patriarchy, but you're a man in the world. And so what have you learned? How do you be a good ancestor, you know, and like try to do better? I don't know. It's hard for me to, to tell anybody how to be like, I can tell my boys how to be, you know, and the best way I can tell them how to be is by being that in the first place. Um, and I think that's what we're facing right now, you know, primarily in this um, exchange of, of um, men having to be accountable, like not only for their own actions, but also the actions of generations before us. You know, um, I, th I think this, the, the, the smartest and safest thing you can do is not be defensive about it and actually a lot space for, for people want to be heard these days, you know? Um, so don't, don't try to silence anybody and actually open up a, a channel for dialogue or acceptance of their experience. Um, I think, you know, the ebb and flow of this conversation has pendulum throughout the human experience, you know, um, mm -hmm. she's pendulum. holding up a pendulum. <laughs> I'm holding up a pendulum. <laughs> and so that has, that has, that has happened throughout the human experience. And, um, for as much as it has pushed and pulled in one direction, you should expect the return on the swing back, you know, but yeah, it's, it's hard for me to say, uh, I can't, I can't tell anybody how to, how to do it. I was fortunate enough to be like raised right, I suppose, you know? And so I'm not, I'm not like, I don't feel like I'm consciously doing anything where I'm like, this is how you be a good person and I'll teach you how to do that. But really just enacting, um, uh, proper judgment in situations, I suppose. <laughs> and also, um, we're just human beings, you know, um, trying to be, trying to be good. <laughs> this ain't fair. Look at you too. I'm sorry. Just as you were, he was getting deep into this. Both of our sons have come up on either side. Uh, let me finish. I'm almost done. Bubble boo. <laughs> um, Hi boys. That's really interesting though. I appreciate it. Even though it's like, you know, a weird thing to talk about I think it's really nice just to even like be honest like it's not your place to tell anybody else how to be a good person right but it reminds me like just as a closing thought of like when like we were recalibrating our whole family and like you know going through some healing after you had been gone a long time traveling and stuff and um, just choosing family, you know, just choosing and reasserting, like coming, calling ourselves back together as a family. And like, how do we make this work? Because we are best friends and we have like done so much incredible work together. And I do feel like really much in partnership with you in life in a way that's super beautiful. 
Um, and I was talking to my dad about it and like, he started crying and I started crying and he was like, you guys are like healing generations of trauma, like just by not choosing the easy way out, like alcohol or drugs, or like, just like leaving and like dismissing issues. You guys are digging into the root of how to be better people for your children and choosing each other and working towards that. And I don't know. I, that's just what I love about you is we can go into like deep, gnarly conversations. I wouldn't even call them fights. I mean, of course we've had our share, but just the ability to come back the other side. I'm not arguing that with you. <laughs> like we see. I think, I think it's also, I mean, even in your question, how do you be, you know, uh, being is an action, you know, being is not a place. It's not what you, you know, when you're not asking what you are, you're asking how you, how you be, you know? And, um, and I think that's what's missing so much in a lot of this conversation is like, even in the, you know, extension of like call out and or cancel culture, you're not allotting space for people to become, you know, and to be, you know, and, and, um, and I think that, you know, it's a hard ask for the compassion of violent and brutal uh, exchanges. And I think that's where the like, um, demand of accountability comes in, you know, is that the depth and depravity of the exchange has been capital, you know, uh, but I'm interested in how we learn and adapt to that sort of thing. And that maybe that's why I'm like, I can't tell you how to be like, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what you've experienced. I don't know where you fucked up and what you learned from that. Um, only you can do that. And the healing isn't necessarily found in a, a, in a text as much as it is in, uh, in a conversation, you know, what have you learned? And I think that's where that defensive thing is too. You know, you, you become defensive because you think that people are attacking who you are, not who you're becoming, you know? Um, and so even the most like, you know, instead of becoming defensive and trying to protect who you are, um, open up that conversation as a, a generous act of calling you out on your shortcomings. And uh, I would love to see the, you know, us as, a, as people figure out how to come to the awareness and acceptance of being in process, you know, that we are, we are becoming, we aren't anything we are becoming, you know, um, and hopefully that's, hopefully that's enough for us to, to, um, move forward, you know, one step closer to almost being done. <laughs> becoming. Never stop. Never <laughs> stop. Full circle. <laughs> uh, exactly. It's oh awesome. my God. And speaking of, I think you probably have to get to the airport because we have I to do. pick you up in just a few hours. <laughs> yeah, <So>. totally. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, thanks for talking to my audience. You are mm -hmm. a, a fave cameo throughout the decade I've done this. So plan B, plan. <laughs> you're always plan my, I'm you're always C. my plan C. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
okay. Well,、um, I love you, and I will. I'll see you in a few hours. All right,、bye. love you too. Thank you for picking me up. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Oh.